time to wake up. It's Saturday morning. Find some milk and cereal. Grab a bowl and spoon. No, a bigger spoon. Head to the living room and take a seat on the floor. While Joseph and Chris present to you... Saturday Morning Cartoon! Hello everybody and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoon Boom. This is a show where we wake up with the Saturday sun, plop down on the living room floor with a big bowl of sugary cereal, and watch all your favorite cartoons, both old and new. I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. And today, as part four of our four-part Ghostbusters tribute, we watched Extreme Ghostbusters. Extreme. Because everything in the 90s was extreme. Right, yeah. (laughs) Extreme Ghostbusters really only aired in 97 because it was only one season, but 40 episodes, so there was a lot fit into that. It was created by Ivan Reitman, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, produced by Sony Pictures Television, Bobot Kids Network, and Adelaide Production, aired on syndicated networks, so it was kind of all over the place. For short synopsis, follow-up series that expands on the Ghostbusters empire by recruiting new characters. That's not a great description of everything that goes on, but we'll let it slide because we're going to talk a lot about it in a little while. Correct. So so who are some, uh, who are some of the actors slash characters in this one, Chris? All right, we've got a uh, a pretty interesting group here. So we've got um, Dr. Egon Spengler, um, voiced by Maurice LaMarche, so the same voice actor that he had in The Real Ghostbusters. We have Kylie Griffin, voiced by Tara Strong. Yes! Finally, finally get Tara Strong in one of our cartoons. She is one of my favorite voice actresses of all time. Yeah, uh, like she was the first voice of Hello Kitty for America. She was Barbara Gordon from Batman the Animated Series. Yeah, Bubbles from Powerpuff Girls. She is now Harley Quinn right. in anything Batman, um, including like all the Arkham games, everything like that. She's Raven from Teen Titans. And the list just goes on. And she's got probably one of the sexiest voices in the business. And we got to hear a little bit of that in the first episode. I'll, I'll mention that when we get there. But yeah, like. Tara's awesome. Like, I have so much respect for her. She's just fantastic at her craft. And uh, we will hopefully get a lot more cartoons with her in it. As I think as we get into some of the newer cartoons from the 2000s and on, we will be seeing her a lot more. Oh, definitely. I'll stop talking about her and uh, (laughs) (laughs) move on. So Janine Melnitz, she was voiced by Pat Music. Garrett Miller was voiced by Jason Marsden. Roland Jackson, voiced by Alfonso Ribeiro, who you would know better as Carlton from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, nice. <laughs> can you hear it now? Now that you yes, know? Yes, <laughs> now. Yes, absolutely. Now all you can hear is Carlton. Eduardo Rivera. He was voiced by Reno Romano. That's a weird name. And Slimer, voiced by Billy West. We've talked about Billy West several times. We don't really need to get too much into him other than he is in... Pretty much anything. Just know that he's Fry from Futurama. That's all you need. Yeah. Usually doesn't do creature voices, but that's all he did in this one was Slimer. So he did a great job on Slimer, too. I I liked it. Yeah, he did all right. So here's a few tasty marshmallows out of our big bowl of extreme Ghostbusters cereal. Extreme. Extreme. (laughs) Ghostbusters picks up around seven years after the end of the real Ghostbusters, where they break up due to lack of paranormal activity. So this is a direct follow-up, which is kind of unusual for cartoons of this time, especially cartoons that are 
carrying on the tradition of an older cartoon. Typically, they would be remakes. They would be reimaginings of cartoons. So this was a, a unique case where they actually carried on the original, brought over some of the original characters, and even um, really carried on some of the storylines with some of the ghosts, as we'll kind of get into. Also, there were at least two toys made for every character, with the exception of Garrett, who got zero toys. Oh, that is a dick move. Like, the one handicap character we see in a cartoon. The only one I can even think of. Right. And he doesn't get a toy. Yeah, it's like they, they, they did so well with the diversity of this cartoon. It's got everybody's a little bit different. The, none of the characters are identical. And then the real standout, like you said, is the handicapped character. And he doesn't even get a toy. doesn't get represented at all, which is unfortunate. But I won't put that completely on the show. That's more of a, a, a toy marketing thing. But was it Mattel? It's probably I Mattel. think so. I, there was a prototype Which made jerks. of it, but it was never sold. But some like hardcore collectors do have the original Garrett toy prototype. Dude, it would be great. You could like the wheels could actually move. He could just they could have built it in where you get the thing where you pull him back and then he shoots forward. Yeah, oh, man, I mean, there are endless possibilities with that. Missed I don't know. Opportunity. Total missed opportunity. Stupid Mattel. <laughs> Stupid Mattel. Lastly, a gritty punk rock inspired version of the original Ray Parker Ghostbusters theme was used for the opening of this show. And it was sung by none other than Jim Cummings, a.k.a. Darkwing Duck. Ha! Huh. Yeah. Next time you listen to the theme song, try to hear Darkwing Duck and you will immediately hear it. And that's all oh, you'll be able man. to hear. Yeah, I hear it now. I was wondering, too, because I'm like, this voice sounds familiar. Yep. We've had Jim Cummings on here on a few different but, shows. So, But but I did not like the song. You didn't like the song? I like I the song. I did not like it. I, I did not I like, like it at all. I liked it. I was attached to it, I think, just because of my nostalgia for it. But I'll get into that in a second. First of all, what are your memories of this show? I don't have a lot. I knew it existed, and I knew mainly... I, I, I didn't really know any of the characters except for Kylie. And that isn't just because the IDW comic, for whatever reason, I just remember this gothic looking blue haired girl from, I guess, commercials or toys or whatever. But then you you got me into the IDW Ghostbusters comics and they brought her in an issue, I believe, five as like an assistant to Ray running Ray's Occult Books. And she's just she's a great character in that. She's a little different in the comics personality wise as she is in the show, but still a great character. Probably one of my favorites out of that entire franchise. Um, but that is literally all I really knew about Extreme Ghostbusters. For me, this was essentially like I watched real Ghostbusters when I was a little, little kid. I watched it. I had the toys, et cetera, et cetera. And I loved it. This show was the more teenage version of that for me and this came out in 97 so we were probably we were 12 to 13 at that time and so it came up in that period where this was really appealing to me this was the cooler edgier version and i really liked it i remember specifically watching this every day before school i would wake up a little early so that i could watch this before i went to school every day yeah so i have this uh, maybe I'm looking at it through rose-colored glasses, but I just really have an affection for this show, and I really enjoyed the rewatch of it, too. That being said, let's jump into the three episodes that we watched for today's show. The very first episode, highest-rated episode, and finally, a random or listener-chosen episode. Order may vary depending on how these episodes fall chronologically, but of course, we have to start with the very first episode, that being a two-part episode, actually, episode one and two, Darkness at Noon. 
In this episode, we see, much like the last episode of Real Ghostbusters that we watched, where there's these subway, or there's these dudes in a subway, like, they're underground in the sewers digging through so a new subway can be implemented. This sure happens a lot in the Ghostbusters universe. Yeah, exactly. It's funny that it was the last episode of Real Ghostbusters we watched and the first of Extreme Ghostbusters. So it's kind of a connection there. And of course, I mean, there's no door that warns them that something bad's going to happen, but they open it up and there's like a, there's some kind of bad omens about it. One of the guys is really wary, but they do it anyway because they're on schedule and they have to do it because the mayor wants this launched by it's some certain time. And they need to get paid. Then they got to get paid. Yeah. You got to, got to make that right. money. So they, <laughs> they open up this crack in the, the cave wall. And of course, an evil spirit comes through. In this case, it's Akira, who happens to be like um, a goddess of destruction. Yeah, she's kind of B.A. Is she, she's pretty sweet. Like, as as far as ghosts go in this cartoon compared to the real Ghostbusters, real Ghostbusters, a lot of the ghosts are very playful. Some were pretty kind of creepy, but most of them were playful. These, they're really kind of intense. Yeah, this one reminded me more of the Ghostbusters movies in that it was a little bit more like grotesque looking. Right. Yeah, and, and I like that about this show, that the ghosts are actually, like, they're grosser and creepier. Even Slimer is grosser looking in this cartoon than he was in the last cartoon that we watched. Oh, so, the, the last, last cartoon? Couple. Yeah, I mean, he went from, he was regular green Slimer to stupid, ugly, playful Slimer that was just too cartoonish to this awesome Slimer who is a little bit grittier, but he's still got the same personality. And that's what I love about it. And so in this episode, the Ghostbusters, as I said in the beginning, have broken up because there's no paranormal activity. So it's been seven years. Egon's teaching a class on paranormal physics or something of the sort at a college. He gets so few students that he gets four this time and he's surprised because last time he only had two or three or something like that. Everyone else was feeling bad for him. He's like, oh, great. This is double what I had last year. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Slimer's back at the base. The ghost sensors start going off. So he comes to find Egon to tell him about it. And it turns into a situation just to wrap this up real quick as far as that uh, synopsis goes where he has to recruit these four students that he has with him to help fight off Akira and her forces. What Akira's thing is, is spreading disease, but she has to find a host to do so. She infects Egon and he gets, well, and a lot of people, and they get what I refer to as ghost pimples. Yeah. And, oh man, they're gross. They're so gross. Yeah, they like these green, green boils. boils on their faces, right? Which is, if that's not gross enough, at one point, when she's being confronted by the new Ghostbusters, she calls for her children and all of these gross green boils just rip out of everyone's skin and fly off to her. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Gross. So those were babies breeding on their faces. Ugh, sick. Yeah, man. It's, it's very <laughs> grotesque. But okay, one thing real quick about Slimer, which I was talking about earlier of him returning to the original Slimer that he was before he goes to warn Egon about all this. Like he leaves the room and then he comes back immediately, opens the fridge and grabs a piece of cake, shoves it in and then runs off. And that's just a small bit of humor that was great that made Slimer the Slimer that we know and love because classic. he he has good intentions. Yeah, classic Slimer. He has good intentions, but he's also always eating something. He has to eat something. I think we should talk about the uh, the new recruits. So, yeah, for one, I want to start off with. An introduction to Eduardo, where I just want to start it off with something he says about Slimer. He sees Slimer the first time, and Slimer talks 
you know, kind of gibberish. You can't really understand what he's saying. And he says in a high pitched voice and it's just, you know, nonsense. And Eduardo's like, what is he? The ghost of Flipper? He uh, He's very sarcastic. He's kind of like the parallel to Vinkman in a way with his sarcasm. But he's also very lazy and uninspired. Oh, yeah, that's a good way to say it. But but he's helpful when he needs to be, but only when he needs to be, it seems like. Um, and then we have Kylie, who you heard me blab about a lot earlier. And she is kind of like this gothic sort of looking girl who is extremely intelligent, extremely interested and already pretty well versed in like ghosts and the occult and equipment. And stuff like that, they would be using like technology. She's just right. extremely smart. So nothing really comes as a surprise to her, but she still gets excited when she sees like a ghost or something like that. Or when she gets to talk to Egon about some sort of, you know, device or technology, she gets really excited about it. Yeah. She's read Egon's book cover to cover. I think she said like six times or something like yeah. that. She's like the the one person that gets to that class on purpose and like wants to participate. The others took it or at least Eduardo and Garrett take it because it's supposed to be like an easy A to get through or something like that. I don't know why it would be because it seems like it'd be super hard. I, I guess just because of the, the subject matter being paranormal activity and for whatever reason, even though the Ghostbusters had been around for a long time and they were only on seven year break at that point, people still are very hesitant about believing in ghosts. Yeah. So that's one of the big problems I have with this show is that that didn't make any sense. And we've seen it in some of the other cartoons and the second movie and stuff like that, that everyone knew about Gozer. Everyone knew about the explosion with the Stay Puff man that affected all of New York. That is not news, but for whatever reason in this cartoon, even though it's only been a few years, like nobody knows about ghosts and no one thinks they're real. I'm like, how is that possible? Like there's like, you know, news coverage of what happened. How did everyone just forget? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess that seven years is just a long enough lull for people to be like, did that even ever really happen? And especially Maybe because these are on a lot of drugs. The, the, yeah, these are kind of younger people just coming into college. So they've got to be like, I don't know, 18, 19, something like that. But even like the older people, like the mayor and stuff like that, don't believe they think that Egon's a fraud. Oh, yeah, that like it was that. a sham. And I'm like, dude, like you guys were there. Like you <laughs> yeah. knew. Yeah. So other character. Oh, there's Garrett and Roland are the two we haven't talked about. Right. So Garrett. Well, Roland first, he is the most level-headed, play it safe, and he's also very intelligent, but he's just, Winston. but not as cool and street smart as Winston. In a later episode, they do bring the, the original Ghostbusters back. They're both in uniforms, and there's several times they got the two mixed up, and I felt like a jerk for getting <laughs> the two black guys mixed up. <laughs> However, they screwed up in the show and one point when Winston, he says something and screams, they animated Winston, but they used Roland's voice. So then I did not feel nearly oh, as bad if they're mixing him up, too. That's terrible. <laughs> Roland is a straight man in this one. He He's the driver, yes, but he's a very cautious driver. He's not typecasted as only the driver. He's very intelligent. And he's the mechanic, too. He helps to build things. He's right. the one who helps to he helps to upgrade the proton packs and things like that. Super intelligent. He, yeah, exactly. So he's got a lot of craftsmanship to him. 
He's kind of like on the same level intelligence wise as Kylie, I think. Yeah, just in, in different in a different way. He's not there because it's a blow off class. He's there because he saw the Ecto one back at a car show. And yeah. he was so intrigued by that that he had to be part of the class with one of the original Ghostbusters who helped to construct that because he's right. got that mechanic mind and he has he needs he wants to be around that and engulf himself with it takes us over to Garrett. He's a paraplegic, so he doesn't have usage of his legs, but he is still the most action-oriented, thrill-seeking person on the team. He's an alpha male. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. He, he's a he's definitely a jock type guy. And he's in this because he wants to bust ghosts. Like he wants to get out there into the action, wants to hear about the stories of Egon fighting the ghosts and the Ghostbusters old tales. And that's why he's here. He's just seeking more adrenaline. And we see that throughout the show. Right. He's kind of the de facto leader of the Ghostbusters in a way. Exactly. Yeah, he definitely steps up and kind of fills that role. Maybe because he's the most outgoing of all of them. And he and Eduardo have a constant rivalry going on because it's like two extremes. You've got the lazy guy who just wants to do enough to get by. And then you've got the action-oriented jock here who always wants to keep moving, moving, moving. He's always on the go. Now, I got to say, at first glance... I felt like in this episode, I felt like Garrett and Eduardo both were kind of douchebags. And by the end of this show, I still think they're both kind of douchebags. <laughs> I, I like their characters, but we can get into that a little bit more. So we're still, if we're on the first episode still, we've got Akira. Her babies are released. I love the idea that she's called Akira. Yeah. And we will someday have to do a special like we did the Halloween tree. We'll have to do a special where we do the movie. Akira. The actual Akira movie. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But yeah, I, I like that that reference that she is basically like, yeah, this demonness of destruction with the name Akira. Like, yeah, that's pretty awesome. And the, the way that the episode unfolds is cool, too, because we get to slowly learn more about her as the Ghostbusters are, where it's not her who's the main threat. It's her breeding this swarm of her children, which are these worm bat looking things and, Freaky. you know, who hatch from your boils on your face. Ugh. So, yeah. OK, there's this one thing I want to talk about, but I have to preface it with that. There's this really weird sexual tension between Eduardo and Kylie. And Kylie seems like she's not opposed to the idea, but she won't kind of like confirm or deny. She's just kind of like seeing how things go and not really talking about the matter. Akira takes over, like possesses Kylie for a short time. And there's this part where Kylie is outside. I think she was against the car or something. Or Eduardo was like looking around and she's calling to him and he walks up. And he's like, oh, Kylie, like, what are you doing out here kind of thing? And she's like hitting on him. And Tara Strong's using that sexy voice. And uh, Eduardo's like, yeah, dude, he's going to go for it. And the other the other two, uh, Garrett and Roland, like come up and they're like, Eduardo, what are you doing? Like they they like know that she's possessed or something, but Eduardo doesn't <laughs> know it. And he's like, what? She's legal. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> dude, I was dying laughing so hard. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, they just made a sex joke in Ghostbusters. What was weird was when she first approached, her voice was like really ghostly and yeah. he didn't he didn't suspect the thing. I mean, I, he was just so infatuated with the idea of, you know, I'm going to get to make out with this chick 
that he wasn't even thinking about, oh, this seems out of character. This doesn't seem like something <laughs> she would do right away. Right. He's just like, hell yeah. Yeah. But he's also the type of guy who's like, you know, he thinks he's the, he thinks he's the bomb or whatever. He's the coolest guy. So yeah, he's, why wouldn't she hit? Him? Exactly. So, I, I mean, needless to say, they wrap this up. I can't remember exactly how they capture Akira, but I know that they end up doing so because Kylie's able to free herself from Akira's grasp. I do know one thing is that I, I don't like Janine in this because she was not the Janine that we like. We got the Janine. If you remember, if you guys listened to the last episode where I went on this ridiculous rant about that Q5 thing where they changed Janine's character hardcore. That is basically the Janine that we got in this show. She didn't have the accent. She wasn't nearly as spunky or as aggressive. And she didn't have the sarcasm. She was just kind of like a nice lady who really wants to date Egon. Yeah. And that made me really sad. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I I would just attribute it to age more than anything. She's kind of matured past that point, but... That Could might be, just, but but yeah, I see what you're saying. But she wasn't as extremely nice as she was in like, uh, and that's the problem. The last one, that's the pro- she. She's got to be extreme. She's got to be extreme, Janine, because this is extreme Ghostbusters. <laughs> so we need we need we Janine need yelling Janine. at yeah. We need her yelling at everyone with a Brooklyn accent or something. She, she still had the sarcasm though, where she when they were calling the Ghostbusters headquarters, and she's like, "We're not in business. We're not in business." And she's like, "I, I guess we're back. I don't, I don't know." Yeah, yeah. So there was, was still that, there was least. hints of it. It wasn't a as bad bit. as the last cartoon we watched. Just real quick, and then we can get to the next episode. One thing that I did not like about this is that they used the like basically the Photoshop filter Solarize an awful lot in this cartoon. <laughs> when anything happened, like if they were like fighting against the ghosts or the ghosts were doing something, they would basically use that Solarize effect where everything light goes dark and everything dark goes light. And, oh, I hate it when they use that in cartoons so much. X-Men Evolution did that a little bit, too, which I'll give them a pass because X-Men Evolution is like one of my favorite cartoons ever. But still, I wish cartoons would not do that. Well, it was the 90s. You have to you have to give a lot of passes to 90s effects. Yeah. All right, well, let's jump into the next episode that we watched, which was actually my choice because I remember this episode, and I'll tell you why in a second. This was Killjoys, Season 1, Episode 9, basically about vampire clowns. And that sounds ridiculous, and it kind of is, but it's actually really scary when you see the episode. so creepy. Yeah. So these clowns, they're not blood vampires. They prey on laughter in such a way where I loved it where you you hear somebody laugh and then you hear that echo of their laughter and how it keeps going a little bit higher pitched and higher pitched. That's stuck in my mind all these years. How long has it been? 97 to now? Almost 20 years. Yeah, you're old. I know. I am so old. But <laughs> but that was just such a crazy, crazy thing. And I remember it vividly because of how creepy it was. Like the best way I could describe this is it reminds me of it's like killer clowns from outer space meets the strain. And it even shows like this tongue alien thing comes out of their mouths and like sucks the person out of their clothes, like their body almost like liquefies and it just like inhales them. Yeah, they actually eat the people. They don't even prey on their laughter. They just prey on the people. It's the laughter that attracts them. Exactly. They're those worm alien or they're those weird worm like alien demon creatures, but they're disguising themselves as clowns because they're trying to incite 
laughter. That's the only way they can prey on you is if you laugh. So they have to get that out of you. And the way that they've concocted to do so is to dress up like clowns and try to make you laugh. And we see that a couple times in the episode, them trying to do so, where like when they when they grab Kylie and they give her a little puppet show, but she's oh, not yeah. really one to laugh. So they're not successful at getting her. She's just not going to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Kylie. The ghosts always go for her first. Like every episode we watch, like the, the ghosts always go after Kylie every time. <laughs> Eduardo and that ghost Jack in the Box. That oh, Jesus, yeah. that was freaked me the fuck out. Ghost Jack in the Box with claws for arms and Ugh. like sharp fangs. Oh man. If you Jeez. if you're scared of clowns, even if you're not scared of clowns, this is the reason to be scared of clowns. Yeah. Is things if like you, this. If you do have a clown phobia, don't watch this episode. <laughs> no. Because it will terrify you. It, another way scary? to tie it back to what you were talking about were killer clowns from outer space. In Killer Clowns, there was Jojo the Clownzilla at the end of the movie, you know, the really yeah. big one on the marionettes. In this one, you have the giant clown at the end as well. But yeah. he's they go to an amusement park or a broken down amusement park. There's a giant clown statue. They, they don't think anything of it first. They're looking for the smaller clowns. And then this giant, I guess, mother demon alien thing comes out of that. And that reminded me so much of Killer Clowns from Outer Space. That's all I was thinking was, wow, this is Jojo the Clownzilla right here. Oh, and um, so Eduardo gets bit by the ghost Jack in the Box and he becomes one of the creepy clowns. Right, right. Um, They get him contained, but he offers Slimer some cotton candy. So, of course, Slimer lets him out because he wants cotton candy. <laughs> that was a great, yeah. Clown Eduardo eats Roland right like, eats yeah. him. I was like oh my god like what I didn't see that coming Garrett I think uh even though Garrett's kind of a douche it is funny because he like punches him straight in the face <laughs> <laughs> but um so they defeat the thing and luckily anyone that the clowns ate got restored which included Roland right so and this is really funny and this is another like sexual thing that they did in this show that i was not expecting like, oh just like i know the, what you're gonna say thing. is it about slimer yes yeah, so go on so roland um shows back up but he got sucked out of his clothes right so when he does reappear roland is just you know completely naked and he's hiding behind something and covering his crotch with his hands and uh asking for some clothes and slimer is looking straight at roland's junk and starts cracking up, like just <laughs> laughing hysterically. Yeah. I was like, oh, God, poor Roland. I remember that part. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I know Chris is going to bring this up. Yeah. <laughs> of course I would. I just thought this episode had a really cool kind of mythology to it. Like as weird as and as B-movie-esque as vampire clowns sound, it's actually, as you said, really creepy, really terrifying. And the fact that it's like in the same way that a vampire can bite you and either feed on you or turn you into a vampire. The clowns turn Eduardo into a vampire like we were talking about, but they do so because Eduardo's the one who catches the first clown. So because he captured that clown, they need right. a replacement. So he has to take that clown's place. And I thought that was a really cool idea. That was a really interesting approach they had to that. For every episode we watched, there's things I like and there were things that I did not like. And one thing that I noticed in this episode is that there's some real inconsistencies in the voice actors. And I will admit, as much as I love Tara Strong, 
this I think might be her weakest performance that I have heard. And it's not just her, but the guy that does Garrett also, they have very inconsistent New York accents. So there will be sometimes where there's no accent present at all. And then suddenly it pops out. Like there's a couple times where Garrett will be like just talking like normal like this. And then you'll hear him be like, hey, we're working here. And I'm like, where did that come from? <laughs> like, and, and Kylie does the same thing. She will she will sound like this, the normal Tara Strong kind of voice. Then all of a sudden she'll have an accent with like this one sentence of the entire episode. She'll have a New York Brooklyn style accent. And even in this next episode that we watched too, for one line, she accidentally sounded British instead of, <laughs> instead of even New York. So I'm like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> so I, I don't know if it's maybe they're on a short budget and we got to take that take. Sorry. We got to go with it. I don't know, but like, yeah, that was inconsistent. That stood out to me, and that is a really nitpicky thing. But being that we are, I mean, each one of these cartoons, we are really picking them apart and, I mean, analyzing every single little detail. So things like that are going to stick out to me. Yeah. There's there's that. Yeah, to end this Ghostbusters episode, they capture the, the giant clownzilla, I'll call it, because it doesn't really have a name. And Roland is freed. He's naked. He gets slapped at by Slimer. And that moves us on to the next episode, which is Back in the Saddle, season one, episode 39 and 40, because we watched another two-parter episode. This is actually the second to last and last episode of the series as a whole. And this one's a fun one because it brings back more elements of the real Ghostbusters being the actual real Ghostbusters. We still have Egon, of course, because he's been here the whole series. It's his 40th birthday. Janine's taking him out to dinner. She brings him back to the firehouse and he's surprised by all the originals. We've got Ray, we've got Winston, we've got Peter, and they're all done by at least the second voice actors who yeah. did them in the original series. And speaking of Dave Coulier, who voices Peter Venkman, his Peter Venkman sucks. <laughs> like <laughs> I hated it. Like the way he voiced Venkman was just and it might have to do with the writing, too, because they gave him some stupid lines. But I'm like, man, this sucks. Yeah. It made me miss Garfield Peter because what yeah, it was is it Garfield was like Peter's way better. It was like <laughs> it was like Dave Coulier trying to be Garfield Peter, yeah. but not quite achieving it. And so it didn't sound right to my ears. I'm sure a lot of it was the lines he had because a lot of them were yeah. really corny. And oh, yeah, they were very forced. But yeah, like he was saying, it was basically Lorenzo Music is the one that voiced the first Peter. Um, that was the same voice as Garfield. That's why we call him Garfield Peter. But <laughs> this was like Dave Coulier trying to impersonate Lorenzo Music, who was trying to impersonate Bill Murray. And it sucked. Just stop. So in Back in the Saddle, we have a two-part episode. And it's actually, these can kind of be used as separate episodes entirely because they, they really, really the first one has to do with these ghosts to only feast on metal. And it seems like they're easy to capture at first, but they have this weird thing where when they are around ionic pulses, their atoms spread and they multiply. So every time they try, they try to capture them, they just double the amount that there were before. What they end up having to do with Roland's assistance is the real Ghostbusters and the extreme Ghostbusters team up. They upgrade these proton packs to where they have the kind of opposite effect of what the previous ionic ones did in order to capture these specific ghosts. They have to basically, instead of splitting them apart, they have to put them together, push these ghosts back together in a forceful way and capture them only like that. 
something to point out about this episode as a whole and what really kind of gives it a, a a story aspect to it with the real Ghostbusters coming back in. They're all kind of in their midlife crisis stage. So they're really excited to be back on the field doing their thing. It's just like old times. And they're in that same way, disrespecting the extreme Ghostbusters by being really condescending, calling them kids, basically treating them like lessers. And in a way, <laughs> sure, they are. But at the same time, it's like they're they've taken over the mantle. So they need to treat this as such. And so. <laughs> the the elders, the older men, not even elders, they're only 40, but they, they come in and really they steal the show. The one uh, really good way of demonstrating that, that I loved in this was uh, so when Kylie sees Ray, Kylie is freaking out because she, <laughs> she's totally fangirling over Ray. You know, talking about, oh, I, I love your work on this and blah, 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 blah. And he kind of like pats her on the head. And he's like, oh, that's great, sweetie like a daughter or like you know just some little girl and she's like sweetie she's so like just heartbroken right there there's a lot of that roland gets called i think kid or something like that and they they all do that like you just said with kylie where they kind of repeat it like kid and things like that to the point where they just kind of pack up and go home they're like well i've got stuff to do i have chores to do or something like that they don't want to be there because they're feeling ousted and like they don't belong. They're being forced out. Well, and in the in the real Ghostbusters defense, the extreme Ghostbusters did just screw up a mission. And uh, the real Ghostbusters went in and fixed it. And so now they're like on a big high. Mainly Peter is kind of leading it. And he's like, yeah, we're unstoppable. We, we should get the band back together. We should do this again. And they they basically go and they're trying to fight basically the same monsters, again, the same ghosts, because like you were talking about, they keep replicating. This time, the real Ghostbusters underestimated and got in a pickle and the extreme Ghostbusters had to save them. Right. So it was kind of it was kind of cool to see, you know, both sides were kind of like express their faults and their strengths. Yeah, to each other. We got to see that balance come into play where the older generation thought that they knew everything and they had it all right and they were the the masters of ghost busting and then they come in thinking they fixed the situation and only made it worse so have to be saved. Yeah, it, it comes to the point where they respect each other on equal grounds and that brings us into part 2 of this episode which I thought was really cool. This is actually the last episode of the series which was this giant, it's weird to even say, is giant fog comes in and starts devouring really everything in its path. And what is this giant fog? It's the Bermuda Triangle. The Bermuda Triangle is attacking New York. Right. The Bermuda <laughs> Triangle is only, it's a ghost that's in its infancy. And it had been only staying in one place, devouring things that came its way. And because it became basically the ghost of, of an adolescent right. at that point and was like, well, now that I'm older, I'm going to go look for my food rather than wait for it to yeah. come to me and be spoon fed. Exactly. So it travels to New York and starts devouring everything in its path. And this yeah. is where you really need both teams of the Ghostbusters, real and extreme, to save the day. And it was cool. It was very like Lovecraftian. It was like this giant fog with like tentacles, right? And yeah, stuff like that, and just straight up ate a boat. Like Peter and Garrett were out fishing and saw this thing just freaking swallow a boat, 
And uh, yeah, it was really cool. And I was like, oh, wow, those people are just straight up dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like there's this, no coming this back thing for means them. business. Yeah. It, it's this huge fog that keeps just like it's going over. It's got these tentacles. It's tearing up everything, taking everything in. And what I really liked about this episode was the contraptions that they make towards the end to capture this thing. Because while the regular ghost proton packs and traps would normally work, this ghost is miles wide. This is the biggest apparition they've ever encountered. Right. And it's feeding at an unstoppable rate. So they have to stop it quick. And luckily, this is a point where Roland really comes in handy. He's able to kind of concoct a plan with just some random kind of uh, cars in a junkyard. I think one of yeah. them's like a cement truck or a, maybe a bulldozer, no, a dump truck. And then I can't remember what the other one was. I thought it was like some sort of utility vehicle, like some sort of electric utility. Yeah, it might have been something like that. Yeah, but so so they get these and they what they basically have to do is make a a giant proton pack and a giant trap. And it's really cool the way that that plays out. And that was the scene I was talking about where they mixed up the voices. Oh, where they used uh, Winston's body with Roland's voice. And I was like, now I don't feel so bad because I mean, it was during that scene. I was getting them mixed up anyway. I mean, that was the only scene because they were both together wearing the uniforms. But yeah, and it works. They trapped this giant mile freaking long ghost thing. I think it was like three miles wide. Yeah. Yeah. Bermuda Triangle. They trapped that son of a bitch. (laughs) And and everything that had gotten. And this is what I thought was cool. Everything that the Bermuda Triangle had sucked up into it over the centuries or whatever starts showing back up like in the in the bay outside of New York. So you see like the boat that was just swallowed. You see an old, you know, Red Baron kind of style airplane Mm -hmm. flying out. You see a pirate ship. I was like, that's cool. Yeah, it's like seeing history that was devoured in the Bermuda Triangle reappear because it's come out of this void that it had ended up in. And the same with the city. The city, as it was torn up, was now restored. So this was a very clean episode where it was like, we defeated this ghost, now everything's Everything's good again. Yeah. Yeah, I think if if something like that were to happen in real life, I don't think there'd be a magic undo. I think you'd destroy it, but everything's still totally fine. Yeah, I, I think you're right on that. And Maybe that would have been more extreme, but I kind extreme. of <laughs> more extreme, but I kind of feel like it was necessary to end the series that way. So it's not like, yay, we won and the series is over, but, but now New York someone's got to clean up this mess. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to go on the bill. And, and to kind of end this thing perfectly, we go back to the firehouse and you have both teams of Ghostbusters together sitting down for a meal. And Janine brings out this, um, you know, silver platter with a top to it. And exactly how I thought it would play out. She pulls it up and Slimer's there belching and picking his teeth because he ate the whole bird. It was like a turkey or something. Everyone's like, Slimer. And Janine's like, ha ha. Well, I thought ahead and she whips out a second one and she opens it up and it's just the skeleton of the turkey. <laughs> and she's like, ah, she's like, Slimer. Like, Perfect. Speaking of Slimer, one thing that was great about this show is they kept Slimer, a very background character, was not at the forefront whatsoever. He just kind of appeared as necessary as comic relief. And that's it. He was not in the majority of any episodes. In, in Killjoys, he did very much help to save the day. 
because he is the one who yeah, freed, that. he'd helped to free Eduardo, sure. So he caused the problem initially, <laughs> but he played his heroic role that we missed out on from the last series. Right. But like they basically like Slimer maybe was in three minutes or less out of every episode. And, and that I think that worked to the show's advantage because then we didn't end up with the problems that we had with the other cartoon. True. Where they pushed them too far and then it got too much and just tanked the show. So they they handled them really well. Yeah, very true. I agree completely. So, Chris, I think it's about time for us to fetch our inner kids who were displaced out of their own time by that evil ghostly fog just to hear what they thought of extreme Ghostbusters. We can always throw them back in when we're done. All right, I'm going to get him out of the little containment unit real quick. Oh, I uh, guess Slimer already did because he offered him cotton candy. Okay. <laughs> These Ghostbusters are really cool, but they're not the real Ghostbusters. Even though Egon was there, and I used to not really like Egon, but now I think he's awesome. And Kylie's really pretty. Like, totally prettier than my babysitter, and she's like, totes hot. <laughs> what was I talking about? Oh, uh, so yeah. This was okay, but it wasn't as good as the real Ghostbusters, but I'm going to give it three and a half bowls of Kylie out of five. Er, er, wait, cereal. I said cereal. Uh, go ahead, Joseph. I, I gotta go. Extreme Ghostbusters was absolutely amazing. This cartoon was a true return to form, bringing back everything we loved about the real Ghostbusters, including the real Ghostbusters. It formed a wonderful figurative bridge between the bright playfulness of the 80s cartoons and the darker, more serious tone that many 90s cartoons took on, giving us the best of both worlds. Lovable characters and ghosts who were actually pretty scary. Last but not least, we got back the heroic, ever-hungry Slimer that I love and leaving Monkey Elmo Slimer in the past where he belongs. I would easily give this cartoon five bowls of extremely ectoplasmic cereal out of five and highly recommend it to any fans of the original series. Seriously, come on. Darkwing Duck sang the theme song. What else do you need? Touche, younger me. Touche. Just because we were talking about Slimer, something that, that was mentioned, and I don't know if this is supposed to be canon or if this was Peter Venkman making a joke, but he referred to Slimer as being a goblin. Mm. So I'm wondering if that is the type of ghost that Slimer is supposed to be. You know what? A goblin. That could be true. And something else to tag on to that that I read about was originally Slimer was supposed to have a goblin partner, like a little goblin henchman, not originally in the real Ghostbusters, but originally in the extreme Ghostbusters, he was supposed to get like a little partner who was a goblin. So I don't know oh. if that's what that was kind of referring back to a little bit or if, like you said, Slimer was supposed to be a goblin as well. I have the feeling that in the Ghostbusters universe, there's a mix of a little mix of everything, but I think the majority of ghosts that they run into just started out as just, they're just paranormal creatures. Yeah. And go the term ghost is all encompassing for these creatures, for real ghosts, for demons. Everything just falls under that same blanket. But yeah, I have the feeling that I don't think Slimer was ever like a person. Right. I think he just is. Yeah, Slimer just is. Well, listeners, it looks like our milk supply has now run dry, so it's time for us to say goodbye. And next week, we'll be watching Trigun! Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited. We haven't really done an anime yet, and we're excited about this. We talked about this a few episodes ago, too, that whenever we got, like, another pick of our own, that we were going to do Trigun, and we're finally here. 
four or five episodes later, we're there. Yeah, finally. This was a fun month, though. I enjoyed covering all these Ghostbusters shows. Are there any final thoughts you have on the Ghostbusters series as a whole, Chris? Series is. Um, no, not really. But I have heard rumor that there will be another Ghostbusters cartoon in the near future. Is this going to be the female-led Ghostbusters team? I don't think so. I think it's going to be something else. Oh, like the real return of the real Ghostbusters or something? I don't know. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But all I know is that I've heard there will be a cartoon and that it is not the same team as the new movie. Oh, wow. Okay, nice. I mean, I'm down for anything Ghostbusters. Even going back to the original Filmation Ghostbusters, I appreciate that show for what it was, especially compared to Slimer and the real Ghostbusters which was just garbage. If you learned anything from this month, do not watch that show. Check everything else out, though. There's good things and bad things about all of those shows. Real Ghostbusters, though, was mostly perfect in the first couple seasons and then became worse because of various things that Chris discusses last episode. Q5. And definitely check out the IDW comics. Oh, yeah. They're great. And, you know, it kind of confirmed... what I thought about the characters of this show, like I said, I thought Eduardo and Garrett were kind of douchebags. The IDW series inadvertently confirmed it by Kylie being the only character that they bring back. And she's a phenomenal character. But yeah, they definitely ignored the the rest of the characters. But they do bring them back at a certain point. I can't remember which specific series it is. But As for like one. Yeah, one they have a issue. slight crossover. All the same. No, Ghostbusters is a great franchise. The comics are great. Most of the shows are great. Check them all out. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you're a Ghostbusters fan. So good on you. But for now, I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. And we'll see you next Saturday. Extreme Saturday. Presented by NerdSloth. A place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.